a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Friday night, the 8th of December. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane Hello, Craig, and how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's It's been beautiful here. I mean, early December, yesterday, it was 71 degrees. Ah, that's about what it was here in South Florida. Yeah, I mean, We're very in our strange. winter-perfect weather. <laughs> and this time last year, we were up to our you-know-what's in snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I call... We never saw the I ground call again white, until I call March. Snow the white shit. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just it was snow, snow, and more snow last year. Now I don't know what it's going to wind up being as we move through the winter, but right now it's unseasonably nice. We'll take uh-huh. it. Okay, we'll take it, folks. We we had planned to have Mudar Zakran on the show. Uh, tonight, we were going to give Mudar the full hour. Mudar, by the way, is the Secretary General of the Jordanian Opposition Coalition. Uh, and he was going to provide us with uh, some insight that you would never hear anywhere else as a, a Palestinian uh, who is pro-Israel. Um, he was going to give us some perspective on the war that's going on over there. Unfortunately... We contacted Mudar yesterday, and he's under the weather. Oh, my God. He sounds so bad. I asked him, are, it's, you know, you're saying it's a cold, but are you sure it's not COVID? Because of where he is, COVID right. is um, on the march again. Um, and he said no. He believes really it's a cold, but his voice was cracky and and just squeaky, and he could barely get the words out. Yeah, barely audible. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to reschedule with Mudar uh, when he's feeling better. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be after the first of the year. Yeah. Yeah, because we go on hiatus for Christmas, New Year's, after next week's shows. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, well, we've got next week, and then we've got the following Tuesday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, and, and then we're going to take our Christmas break, 
uh, you know, and so it, it, you know, we want Mudar to be at his best because, man, I'll tell you what. Whenever we have Mudar Zakharan on the show, we get so much information and and so much insight that nobody else gets. True. You know, and uh, he's a good friend of the show and has been for a lot of years. Yes, and one little interesting bit will tell you, like Craig said, Mudar is a Palestinian, um, not living there for certain reasons, of course, but his family, Palestinians, are part of the IDF. Two members of his family are fighting alongside the IDF against Hamas. Very interesting situation. Yes. So we're looking forward to having Mudar on the air. Not not that we have a lack of things to talk about tonight. Many things to talk about. <laughs> Let's start with the uh, the great debate uh, that was on TV uh, a couple of nights ago. Um, okay. It was the fourth GOP debate on the stage. You had Chris Christie, uh, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Yes. Okay. Uh, of the four on the stage, two of them um, really didn't need to be there. No, that's my opinion. I don't think, I don't think uh, we're gaining any anything, and I don't think he's gaining anything, uh, Chris Christie, uh, and we'll talk about you know why that is later. And on the other end of the stage, Ramaswamy just needs to go away. Yeah, uh, Christie though had a very good point about him, and he nailed it when he said. You are nothing but a blowhard. <laughs> yeah, he said. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that Christie for that. Yeah, I think that I think that was one of the better quotes of the night. He, you know, he said, you know, of all the people running uh, for twenty twenty four, you are the most annoying blowhard on the stage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean he's just nasty. I mean his entire mannerisms channel his inner Obama. From the uh-huh. way he holds his hands and the pointy fingers and and the way he talks, if you close your eyes, it's Obama up there. And he's very condescending. He's very yes. um, nasty. Nasty. Yeah. I mean, uh, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. I don't think he is. I sure don't. Uh, and I don't think he's adding much to the conversation. Now, that said, apparently Ramaswamy uh, is polling well with uh, 18 to 22-year-old voters. And I can't figure out why, but he is. So what? He's under 3% in the polls. Who cares? Yeah, well, and see, that was that's the other end of that coin, right? I mean, yeah. every coin has two sides. I mean... One side is he's polling really well with the 18 to 22-year-olds. The flip side of the coin, his total is only 3%. Yeah. You know, what a lot of people don't understand, Craig, is these college kids, the 18 to whatever, a lot of them, they talk big. They try to, you know, puff themselves up and whatever. Mm -hmm. But when push comes to shove, they don't vote. Well, and 
that's true. And, and I think back to when I was in that age range, okay, uh, just starting college, maybe the first year or two of college, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't give a crap about politics. Um, you know, we weren't that far removed from the Vietnam War, and I didn't care for what the government uh, did to the troops that, that they sent over there. Uh, just kind of, you know, sent them over there as fodder and abandoned them. I didn't care for that. Uh, I had I had a great deal of respect for the troops, and that and that kind of set me apart on a college campus in those years because, you know, a lot of college students uh, they were taking it out on, uh, you know, the soldiers that that had right. come home. Right. I didn't I couldn't see what the soldiers had done wrong. To me, it was the government. Um, yeah, you know, and and we were coming out of the malaise of Jimmy Carter at that time. Uh, that was still fresh, and that was that was a, a bunch of crap, you know, Jimmy Carter. Holy crap, um, you know. And and I thought, ah, you know, I, I don't really care, and I'm not going to vote. So the first time I was actually eligible to vote, I didn't do it because I didn't want to have any of it. I didn't want to have any part of any of it. Right. You know. Um, but then it was Ronald Reagan that got elected. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started paying attention because there was a guy who made a lot of sense, unlike anybody else I'd seen in politics for years. Well, I grew up in politics. My father was in politics. He was an official. And um, we had po- uh, politicians in our home and whatever. When I was 18, I had no choice. I was driven by my father to vote. (laughs) And um, the same with my brother. And um, I've always been surrounded by the whole political aura, if you will. So there was no option. I knew I had to do my civic duty and I had to vote. And over the years, a little bit different Um, In some instances, I did cross party lines when I was young, when I was, you know, in that 18 to 22 year old age group. Um, But it's it's hard to explain because when you're raised in politics, you see it a little bit differently. Yeah. Then, you know, regular people who who don't have this going on around them. And because of that, that's why I'm basically a constitutional Republican as opposed to a conservative Republican. Right, right. And that makes sense. Yeah, because I understand the Constitution, not just what it means, but the intricacies of it. And it's there for a purpose. Yeah. And where I differ, let's say, with the conservatives, although I'm conservative leaning on major key issues, of course, is that I always go back to the Constitution. Right. If I have a question about something, I go back to the Constitution. Right. And and that's the way it should be. 
Right. You know? To now, me, it, any- it, it wasn't that I was not politically aware. I was very politically aware at the age of 18. I just found it all detestable. I mean, um, you know, we, Jimmy Carter uh, was, was a, a horrible president. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the policies that he put out there created this rampant inflation. We had lines at gas stations, for goodness sakes. Sure. You know, and the foreign policy was a shambles because that's when, you know, Iran took uh, the hostages from our embassy. And, you know, I mean, all of that was going on. It was a few years, but not very many, removed from the end of of our involvement in Vietnam. And that was a shambles. Um, Yeah, I was very politically aware. I was politically aware going all the way back to... Uh, the early 70s, late 60s, um, you know, I was politically aware with the assassination of Robert Kennedy. I was politically aware uh, during Watergate, during actually during the entire Nixon administration. I, I liked Nixon. You know, I was a kid, but I liked Nixon um, because foreign policy-wise, he was doing some pretty good things. Oh, well, he opened up China when China was not the adversary they are right now. Exactly. But, and, and he worked with, uh, worked with Russia, too, with the Soviet Union. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, in, in the scope of things, what Nixon did with Watergate kind of pales in comparison to what's going on. Yeah. You know, with Biden and Crow. Right. But anyway... Getting back to the debate, yeah. I now, I personally, I thought, you know, throughout the whole debate, I thought the best answers, the most well thought out answers, uh, especially in the policy end of things, came from Ron DeSantis. Absolutely, not a question of a doubt. And uh, in my mind, he is the best man to be president. Because he's focused on policy, and he also is a constitutionalist. And he mentioned that quite a few times in the debate about going to the Constitution, that we have to go back to the Constitution. Not one of the others mentioned the Constitution at all. And to me, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. You know. And... I, I'm a little bit different than a lot of people in the sense that I want Ron DeSantis to be the nominee. However, I also, I do like Nikki Haley. However, 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 she put on a very bad show on Wednesday because... Yes, she was attacked, but Nikki Haley has to remember, if you're going to play in politics, you better have your big girl pants on. Because she spent many months attacking DeSantis. So she has to be able to take what she dishes out. Too many times on Wednesday, she looked like a deer caught in the headlights. Yep, It's like she didn't know what to do, what to say, or how to respond. Now, personally, I think 
because she was a UN ambassador, our UN ambassador, she stood up to those Muslim you-know-whats. Um, she really has a grasp on foreign policy. Now, Ron DeSantis also has a grasp on foreign policy in the sense that he is a decorated military veteran. You know, he fought in Iraq. Right. He fought alongside Navy SEALs. He's a JAG um, attorney. He understands the intricacies and the game of war. And in a way, Nikki Haley also understands that from a different level. My goal was always that somehow they would team up, DeSantis would head it, and Nikki Haley would be vice president. That's always been my hope. But of recent Nikki Haley's done some not so smart things. Well, she's not she doing herself taken, any favors, I'll tell you that. No. She has <laughs> taken huge sums of money from Wall Street tycoons who are Democrats, which kind of leads her beholden to them, maybe. Um, I don't like that at all. And I cannot remove from my mind, like with Christie and his hugging of Obama after that (laughs) hurricane, the vision that keeps coming back in my mind with Nikki Haley is she was the first to cave to cancel culture when she took down the Confederate flag from the government buildings. Right, right. That, it bothers me. It really bothers me. She didn't have the fortitude and guts to say no. uh, However, on the other hand, Ron DeSantis across the board has said no to this cancer culture, this woke crap. And I think that's what this country needs now in the sense he is the leading advocate for America's children and their education. You know, let me let me weigh in on on that because that's that it's interesting that you bring that up. Chris Christie was getting all over Ron DeSantis in, mm-hmm. in that in that debate uh, about you know children and and things and one one of the big things for Chris Christie against Ron DeSantis was that Ron DeSantis signed uh, a bill that disallows gender, what they call gender-affirming care. Use your air quotes, right? right? It's the mutilation of children. Um, The surgery, right. Right. Uh, And Christie says, that's that's up to the parents. That shouldn't be up to government. I would never sign such a bill. You know, DeSantis signed the bill. He never should have. That's supposed to be up to uh, parents and, and, you know, and then he got he got on Ron DeSantis and said, you know, you always say uh, that you're for parental uh, rights, but then you take their rights away when it comes to signing a bill like that. Well, I, I've got maybe a little different view of it, okay? okay. So and, and maybe it's because I read uh, Nebraska and local, you know, South Dakota news 
uh, you know, for a living. So I see all these stories. I have to page through them all every day. There are some really bad parents out there. There are some real crapheads that yes. have spawned or reproduced that should yes. never have children. And you don't <clears throat> want to leave major life-changing decisions up to people like that. I right. read stories every day about parents and full-grown adults that have been arrested for child abuse, mm -hmm. uh, child sexual assault. I mean, for God's sakes, I had a story in my local news today about a 46-year-old guy that raped and impregnated his 12-year-old stepdaughter. Now, oh, is God. that the kind of person that you want making life-changing decisions for children? I think not. No. All right? No. We don't let children smoke until they're a certain age. We don't let them drink until they're a certain age. We don't let them drive until they're a certain age. Hell, we don't even let them vote until they're 18 years old. So, right. you know, the government, quote-unquote, has already stepped in for the protection of children because there are parents out there who would think nothing of their 8-year-old smoking cigarettes or their 12-year-old uh, driving a car when they shouldn't, so on and so forth. You know, we can't leave certain decisions just up to parents alone. No. And when you're talking about mutilation, it's important to set some guidelines beyond the parents. Most parents, if their child was a boy and said, I think I want to be a girl today, would look at them and say, you're a boy, you know, forget it. But then you have the woke parents. Oh, you want to be a, a girl today? Oh, okay. Well, right. maybe to be a girl, you need to do this, 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 and this. They're prying young children with drugs and hormones. They are ruining their lives, and they think they're doing the right thing. So saying what Ron DeSantis said and did here in Florida is for the protection of children. When a child reaches 18, which we consider now an adult, right. which I think is wrong to begin with most 18-year-olds today, really uh, don't have a grasp on reality. Um, but when you reach the age of 18, and technically you're considered an adult, if you want to cut things off, add things, and pretend you're something you're not, more power to you, just leave me out of it. Right. But before that age, there's nothing wrong with the government saying, hold on, give yourself a few more years to think this through. Because remember, transgenderism, folks, is not real. Because you can't change your DNA. It's a mental disorder. Up until the time of 18, maybe the parents should be giving them mental help. Well, it is gender dysphoria. That is a mental situation. Yes. Okay, it's gender dysphoria. Um, I, you know, the way I look at it, you know, if, if you got a kid that's under 18, and let's use your example, Diane, uh, you got a, a son that wants to be your daughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. If you want to play dress up, play dress up. 
but you're not going to do the hormone treatments. You're not going in for surgery. You're going to wait until you're 18. And if you still want to do it, then, then it's your choice. Right. But up until then, you don't have the mental capacity to make a life altering decision because once you start doing that, you really can't go back. Exactly. You you can wind up sterile. You can wind up with all sorts of problems. That's what Ron DeSantis is saying. Right. And, in my opinion, he he won that debate. I don't care what these pollsters say. I don't care what Sean Hannity, who's up Trump's butt, says. I don't care about any of that. Because what people seem to forget is polls lie. Not only do they lie, but they go to people they know are going to side with who they want them to side with. Remember in 2008, folks, all the polls said Hillary was going to be the nominee, not Obama. Obama was the nominee. In 2016, all the polls said Hillary was going to be the first woman president. It was Trump. Even in 2020. Trump was the first woman president? I mean, the first. What I missed? No, no. I said all the polls (laughs) said that Hillary was going to be the first woman president, but Trump was the president. Okay. Even in 2020, they said Trump was going to win, and look what happened. Polls are usually wrong. So I don't care what the polls say. Well, Those four candidates on that stage Wednesday night should have been whittled down to two. It yep. should be between Haley and DeSantis alone. And by the way, Ron DeSantis was right about um, Haley and Carolina catering right. to the Chinese. He was 100% right. Also in Florida. Uh-oh. Chinese. Oh, okay. Um, you cut out just for a China second there. To buy any land here, especially agricultural land. It ain't happening. This is the kind of policies we need. Right. I agree. And the thing is, and the one thing with Nikki Haley, and someone made this comment. I don't really remember who it was, but she is a bit of a warmonger. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd go quite that far. But, it, you know, the whole thing, the whole debate Wednesday night, it, it was a lot of bickering. There was, and you expect that in a debate. I mean, you're going to have people with different opinions, different policy measures. Well, that's what a debate you know. should be. Yeah. Right. Um, but the personal attacks, I don't, look, you can, you can pick on anybody you want as long as you want when it's policy matters. But when it's personal right. You know, then then you kind of start losing interest. But I will say this. I thought the moderators did the best job of any of them in the four debates. I agree with that, except for one thing. The tone was set for the animosity in this debate by Megyn Kelly when her first question directed at Ron DeSantis was basically an attack. So she set the tone and maybe that's what they wanted it to do because remember all the past debates were so boring and so mediocre 
and I personally and, and and Fox didn't know how to handle it, and then that one didn't know how to handle it, and the these three women handled it better. Their questions were better, but she set a very bad tone in the beginning, and maybe that was well, on purpose. I I think maybe it was. I didn't have a problem with it because very quickly as the debate moved along. Megan Kelly was asking tough questions and pointed questions yeah. of everybody on that stage. She she didn't soft sell anybody on that stage. Now, if if all she was asking pointed questions to was one candidate, I would have had a problem with it. But she tore up Ramaswamy. She tore up Nikki Haley. She tore up Chris. She really tore up Chris Christie. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can tell she doesn't like him. You know, I mean, when when she asked Christie a question and says that you know it's obvious uh, Republicans don't like you. <laughs> you know, I mean. She was tough on everybody. Now, that's what I want. I want a moderator who's going to be tough on everybody, not just single out one person to be tough on and softball the rest of them. So I didn't have any problem with with Megyn Kelly and the way she handled it. And I thought, overall, the, the questions were better, the control of the crowd was better, and the control of the candidates was better uh, Wednesday night than I've seen it in the three previous debates. I agree with you on that. So, you know, now there is talk about further debates. Now, I don't know really what difference it's going to make at this point, whether CNN. they debate anymore. Um, CNN wants yeah. to host two debates. Yeah, but when? I mean, for goodness sakes. Next month. Next month. Well, the first primaries are next month. I uh, I am assuming they're talking about in the beginning before the primaries. We're six weeks out from the Iowa caucus. And I yeah I and I don't know what further information we're going to get out of these candidates, but maybe more personal bickering. At this way, if you, if you don't know where the four. You know, candidates that were on the stage Wednesday night stand by now, you're never going to know. That's true. But I want to just say one last thing. Okay. It was good to see these four people interacting with each other. They said what they had to say. We might not like what some of them said, but they had the guts to stand on that stage and debate their fellow candidates. I stand by my words. Donald Trump is a coward. He is afraid to debate Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. He's petrified I, of them. I don't I, care what the only Trumpers say. I agree. And, and I go back to what I said before the very first debate. What they should have done was put a podium up there with Trump's name on it and left it empty. I agree. Good they visual. Should have, yep, they should have done that for all four debates. With that, we've hit the end of the segment. That means we got to take a quick break, but there's more Right Side Patriots after this. Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. 
This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of tonight's show, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click that podcast button. You can listen to the whole show. Mm-hmm. You, you can listen to any of our shows for that matter. Yes. We have them going back years. <laughs> yes, we do. All right, so let's talk about the big Hunter Biden indictment that came down last night. Um, this is an interesting situation. Um, everybody seems to be weighing in on it today, and I know uh, Diana and I really haven't talked about it much, uh, but no. I know we both have uh, our own take on the situation. It was a nine-count indictment. Uh, last night, three of which are felonies, six of which are misdemeanors. It all has to do with not paying taxes. Right. And let me just say, the reason I know what's going on, of course, I have to stay abreast of this, this stuff. But the bottom line is, if they were to really convict Hunter with, you know, convict him in the sense of you're getting jail time. Daddy's just going to pardon him. Well, not according to the White House, not according to your favorite person, Corrine Jean-Pierre. Oh, I don't, I don't give two you-know-whats what Medusa <laughs> has to say. <laughs> um, I just don't. Um, it would happen without a shadow of a doubt. He would, Daddy Joe will never let his son go to jail. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't think it'll ever get that far. Um, If it was you you or me with this kind of charges, we'd be, you know, in jail for decades. 
Well, yeah, I mean, he's <clears throat> Hunter is facing, okay, facing air quotes, seventeen years behind bars. Never, okay? he'll never see it. My guess is uh, they'll they'll figure out a way to cut some other kind of a plea deal, or they simply will find a way not to convict him of the felonies and only convict him of the misdemeanors, in which case he'll probably only get probation. Right. Well, the problem is he failed to pay nearly $200,000 of income tax in the year 2019 alone. That's just one year, folks. Right. And yet at the same time, he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in sex clubs, on hookers, well, on drugs. Let me let me give you let me give you some dollar figures, okay? Because okay. this, <laughs> yeah. Now bear in mind, these are the things that he's spending money on because he's not paying his taxes. Right. Okay. Keep that in mind. $683,212 on prostitutes. Mm-hmm. $188,960 on pornography. $237,496 on beauty. And $71,869 on rehab. <sighs> Things he was not paying for? Taxes. And child support. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Um, but what gets me is, I don't care. If somebody wants to be a hooker, that's their life, whatever. But Hunter Biden, he's, I look at him and I go, Ugh, no amount of money would ever get me to have relations with that man. little creepy. He's creepy. <laughs> so I, I, I just don't get the whole mindset of this. Well, now, now and is I, he is he that demented that he's married, folks? Hard to believe any woman would marry that man, and she allows him to spend all that kind of money on prostitutes and hookers. Well, now you ask if he's demented. Okay, I can answer that question. No, I can answer that question by giving you a prime example. Okay. Okay. Here's a guy who for 2016, 17, 18, 19, and actually part of 15, was not paying his taxes, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. From 2016, 17, 18, and 19, he spent... $683,000, actually $683,212 on hookers, okay? Now, yeah. this this is important, okay? Not paying taxes at all, spent $683,212 on hookers, and yet wanted to write off the hookers on the taxes he wasn't paying, Oh, God. But for, here's another question. Where did he get the 600 thousand dollars Was that the Barisa money? Well, it was either Barisma or it was Butkrakistan or it was China or it, I, you name it. 
you know, this money was flowing in from foreign sources. Okay, this right. is well before his his uh, momentous painting career. So all this money was coming from foreign sources. Right. You know, um, I mean, uh, and and apparently he was paying the hookers in cash because his credit card payments for those four years in question was under sixty thousand. So. <laughs> right. Apparently, apparently all the hookers were cash. Now, if he was going to write them off, I hope he had receipts. First of all, how did they track that amount of money to hookers? You would think any man, especially a married man who's going to see a hooker, would make sure there were no receipts floating around. Well, you know, there were things that he wasn't paying for. Okay. I mean, he wasn't paying his taxes. He wasn't paying his child support. You know what else he wasn't paying? What? His computer repair bill. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's how we know about a lot of this stuff. That's true. We forget about that computer, don't we? Yeah. Now, there was something he may have actually been able to write off his taxes, but he didn't pay the bill. Right. I mean, when, when you when you look at this thing, it's it's insane. But here's here's something that everybody needs to understand about this. Okay, this indictment, no matter what it leads to, whether it's a presidential pardon or you know simply you know soft peddling the 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 charges, uh, you know plea bargaining, whatever whatever it is, right? Here's what you have to keep in mind. These charges literally spell out and put dollar figures on exactly what the IRS whistleblower said was happening. The IRS whistleblowers that testified a few months ago against Hunter Biden Mm -hmm. said A was happening, B was happening, C was happening, D was happening. Well, it turns out everything they said was happening actually happened right it vindicates those irs whistleblowers also remember that before the indictment came down last night it wasn't that long ago a few months back that hunter had a sweetheart deal that would have kept him out of prison and everything was going to be fine all of it was going to be swept under the rug then those whistleblowers showed up put a halt to all of that now we have this 56-page indictment against Hunter Biden that spells it all out. What's even worse in this for Hunter is what's happening now with Joe. Because not only does this vindicate the IRS whistleblowers, this also proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that every time Joe Biden said, my my nobody in my family made any money from the chinese nobody in my family was making uh, money from foreign nationals i didn't know anything about my son's business dealings i was never in business with my son this has all been blown out of the water now because aside from the indictment we found out less than a week ago that Payments were being made to Joe Biden directly from the bank account of the Chinese. Exactly. And certain bank accounts also helped expose 
all the monies that that Hunter was spending. You know, you people think, oh, if I don't have a paper trail, I can't be found out. But electronic trails, you can't easily get rid of. Right, right, because those and, things are stubborn. Yeah, and Hunter Biden was caught with an electronic trail, and it started with the computer. That's really ground zero of all his trouble. If he had remembered to pick up his computer, we'd probably never have found any of this out. Exactly. Exactly. It's one of the things he wasn't paying along with not paying his taxes. Right. You know, I mean, uh, th- this this is incredible. Um, you know, when, when you think about how this information first came to light. Here's the other thing in, in the couple of minutes we have left before we move to another topic here. All of these things that are now proven beyond a f- shadow of a doubt through federal charges, okay, these are all things that the mainstream media said never happened. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And how many of us have been sent to Facebook jail over posting just these things and we were deemed that we were spreading false and misleading information? Right. Um, here's here's the final breakdown that we'll give you tonight, okay? Um Hunter Biden individually received more than $7 million in total gross income between 2016 and October of 2020. Okay. Mm -hmm. That included in excess of one and a half million in 2016, 2.3 million in 2017, 2.1 million in 2018, 1 million in 2019, and approximately $188,000 between January and October 15th of 2020. Remember, the big guy got 10%. Right. So there you go. Uh, finally, tonight on the show, Diane, we have more donors, word of more donors, pulling out uh, their their massive amounts of money that they had planned on giving some major colleges around the nation. Right, and it all has to do with their not calling to task on stopping the pro-Palestinian anti-Israel demonstrations on their campuses. These demonstrations were riddled with overt hate and anti-Semitism to such a degree that the Jewish students did not feel safe being on campus. Yeah, I mean, we had reports of, of students hiding in libraries, locking the doors because there were angry mobs shouting to kill them. Right. Right. And and today, some of these um, presidents try to make amends, if you will, and, and apologize. Well, guess what? It's too little, too late. Your donors, especially the U of uh, University of Pennsylvania, lost mm-hmm. a $100 million donation because its president kind of messed up with the kill all the Jews comment. Earlier this week, uh, three uh, presidents of universities, uh, Harvard President Claudine Gay, uh, Mm -hmm. 
Elizabeth McGill uh, from the University of Pennsylvania and Sally Kornbluth uh, from MIT were testifying before a congressional hearing about this very topic. And all three of them gave absolutely the most hideous accounts of themselves and their universities you can even imagine. Right. And um, Stefanik from New York, the Republican from New York, she really nailed them. She did. She did not let up, which was extremely important. Because what these people don't understand, the only reason they issued their so-called apologies was because they lost the donations. The right. things they said at the hearing is what they really felt. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Okay, you brought up Stefanik, at least Stefanik. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, she she wanted to know. Uh, whether it would be considered a violation of harassment and bullying uh, policies on these universities, uh, you know, when they when they're allowing uh, rallies and marches on campus, you know, that are advocating genocide of the Jews. Well, right. This uh, Claudine Gay from Harvard, Harvard, supposedly one of the best schools on earth, right? She said, well, it depends on the context. Yeah. Calling for the murder of Jews depends on the context. Oh, it, but standing up for the murderers of Jews, there's no context there. You can say whatever you want. In, in what context is calling for genocide of anybody appropriate? I mean, I, I can't figure that out. You know, I mean, it's not appropriate in any context. Well, okay, so the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, came out today uh, and said that she was sorry. She said words matter. When words amplify distress and pain, I don't know how you could feel anything but regret. She said, there are some who have confused a right to free expression with the idea that Harvard will condone calls for violence against Jewish students. Let me be clear. Calls for violence or genocide against the Jewish community or any religious or ethnic group are vile. They have no place at Harvard. And those who threaten our Jewish students will be held to account. Diane, you're 100% correct. She said this after the blowback. Right. Okay. Before the blowback, it all depended on the context. And she right. was very arrogant in, in her testimony, as were the other two women. Yeah. What is happening? And I have an article coming out on Tuesday, which will go more into detail. But you could blame, if you will, Everything that's happening on college campuses, in my opinion, on one person, one woman, and her vile mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should give that away now or wait till Tuesday. I, you know, go ahead, go ahead and say it because it's it's a part of the op-ed that you've put together for Tuesday. Which, by the way, folks, I have a sneak peek at. Okay. Yes, uh, it's it's a very good op-ed. And 
but I don't think this I don't think this gives away any I mean don't don't go into detail, but just go ahead and say who it is, who this vile okay. mouthpiece is. Okay. I think the cause of ninety nine percent of what happened on the college campuses is Rashida Tlaib with her constant comments from the river to the sea, which is nothing but code for the extermination of Jews. She knows it. We know it. I agree. I agree. I th- Personally, I think Rashida Tlaib is an Islamic sow, which is really a remarkable accomplishment for any Muslim. <laughs> A lot of people might not get that, but it has to do with pig and Muslim and and I'm just saying some people's heads. I'm just saying, you know, it's 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 okay if it goes over some people's heads. It's it's like the it's like some of the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Some of the jokes in those things were actually meant for adults. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's she and her hatred of Israel and the Jewish people have been evident since her first day in Congress when she put that Palestinian flag outside her congressional office. And over the years, she has done nothing but speak ill of Israel and Jews. And masking it as, oh no, it's Zionism that I don't like. She's full of crap. She is full of crap. Okay. And then when you throw in Ilhan Omar and AOC into the mix, you've got a ground zero in stages. It, it's a mess. I mean, it really it's is. a mess. You know, and what's happening on college campuses is not really limited to college campuses. We're seeing no. some of that same vile behavior even at, at at high schools in different places in the country. You know, I, I just did a, a commentary earlier this week about that. Um, you know, you can check that out uh, at the nationalpatriot.com. But when you look at the college campuses, what we have here is a 100% failure of I don't care what level of education system you happen to want to discuss. I mean, when you've got college presidents that show from schools like UPenn and Harvard and MIT, for goodness sakes, when they show up for a congressional hearing and they condone this kind of behavior, I mean, really? Really? Is this where parents want to be sending their kids? Well, obviously, it's not where some mega donors want to be spending their money. Right. These people, they have been indoctrinated for years. And what's bad about all this is these are the same people that want to bring the Palestinians here. Oh, boy. And here you would have then the Palestinians who have been indoctrinated basically since birth to hate Jews and hate Israel coming together with college students who have been indoctrinated in recent years to have the same hate. Yeah. It's it's too much. It's too much hate for no reason whatsoever. 
what these people forget, Israel did not start this war. Israel left Gaza in 2015. Israel started nothing. And yet Israel is blamed for everything. Right. It's nuts. I, I just want to throw in one more thing for comment here on you know, the few minutes that we've got left. And it pertains directly to what we're talking about on college campuses. And it's really something that I'm sick of. I mean, I am so sick of it. I, I just want to. I just want to hurl. Here's the deal. These college campus presidents that were on the Hill earlier this week, every single one of them was talking about freedom of expression. Freedom of expression. Right. College campuses, freedom of expression. Okay. You three presidents and the rest of them, y'all need to read the First Amendment. Yes, we have freedom of expression in this country, but that freedom of expression does not cover the condoning of or calling for violent acts. No. And when you're marching up and down the campus shouting from the river to the sea and condoning genocide of the Jewish people, that is not covered by freedom of speech. No, because any speech that incites violence is not covered. And that's exactly what this speech does. What should happen, what the board of directors of these colleges should do, is every one of those presidents needs to be fired. I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. I no mean- excuses, no second chances, fire their ass. And get people that understand the Constitution. Yeah, I mean, let the door hit them in the ass on the way out. Gone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's just the way it's got to be. Well, Mm -hmm. Diane, I know it's a couple of minutes early, but what do you say we wrap it up for the week? Okay. And uh, I'll get the podcast up in the morning. And with that, nighty-night. Folks, have yourselves a great weekend. We'll see you again on Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thank you.